unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And a pleasure to welcome to this week's episode from his very own Student of the Game podcast. He's also a colleague from A7BN Sports and also from the Captain and Company Morning Show at OldSchool101.com. It is my pleasure to have the student of the game, Kyle Nash, join the show. Kyle, thanks for being here. Hey, Jeff, great to be aboard again. I I mean, you're a glutton for punishment. I've lost count if this is time three or time four, but regardless, I'm always glad to make it into the proverbial building here on the JAS, man. Let's do the thing. I mean, I love it. And of course, I think it believes it's time number four. And of course, we will also uh, let you shamelessly plug all your endeavors uh, uh, at the end of the proceedings today. So uh, there you go with it, with as far as that goes. You're the one that has to sit through it. I trust your count over mine. <laughs> <laughs> always, always great to have you here. And of course, uh, you know, this has been an interesting week or so as far as uh, college football is concerned. Realignment, you know, we get USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten of all places, and that has set, up, set off a cavalcade of conferences now trying to uh, load up and get to super conference status. Of course, all this started a year ago with Texas and Oklahoma announcing their plans to move to the SEC. And uh, it took a little longer than I thought, but now the dominoes are really started to, to cave in. And it's also shaping up to me to be a, a battle between ESPN and Fox as well in all these proceedings. Uh, Kyle, I hope you have a scorecard. It can help me figure some of this out. <laughs> the thing, Jeff, I have a scorecard. The thing is, to keep proper track of everything that's going on, you need a whiteboard. And, and listen, on the Student of the Game podcast the other night, I had the Orlando Sentinels' Matt Merchell on, and, and it was hard for him to keep track of it as their national football writer. He, he obviously had it together better than me. That's why we talked about it. But between him and all the other scuttlebutt I've getting, been getting with the other people out there in the media world who I talk to and trust, they, there's... Listen, first of all, I'm going to say this out the way out, out the gate for all you Game of Thrones fans out there back in the day who was watching that when that was still on. I the way that USC and UCLA were able to red wedding the Pac-12 and jump on a dime. All these people were like, oh, I knew the change was coming. Sure, you did. You didn't know it was going to happen just in time to set off fire fireworks for the holiday weekend for Fourth of July. You didn't know that. You didn't. Nobody did. Everybody was shocked by that part, comparing it to Texas and Oklahoma leaping where, you know, maybe they're kind of going to possibly. And it does. It was more like a romantic comedy. Will they? Won't they? Oh, they are. And, you know, we're still waiting for the sequel where they have the actual wedding and shenanigans ensue. Um, I like that analogy. But <laughs> um, getting getting back to it, it, it like <laughs> anyone who thought Maryland and Rutgers was a little odd from ACC and Big Ten machinations and all this stuff. At the end of the day, this one is odd, but at least it makes money sense. Your pardon, expert. So I guess I could say sense with S E N S E N C E N T S as well. Yes, um, you can. That's right. You know, it, it, the, the, the homophones are amazing. Hmm. Uh, so obviously it's for money. If you don't know by now, you know, I'm not going to repeat the cliche of, of, of it's a business, blah, blah, blah. That's why the O'Bannon case started all of the conversation regarding NIL and, and player uh, compensation and all that, whenever that was in the not too, uh, not too distant past here. 
So with that in mind, you mentioned ESPN versus Fox. I think that's a great way to kind of give, if you're giving that thousand foot view for the fan at home on how it's breaking down, that's a good description. I'm also very curious for where the Apple TVs and Amazon's come into play here, Jeff. And, and with that, with that movement, let's set the table a bit. With that movement of the uh, Southern California, Los Angeles-based teams, right? USC and UCLA relocating to the Big Ten. It's now everybody else left trying to find their way, while the Big Ten is kind of like the most popular girls at the school, trying to pick who's going to take them to prom, right? That kind of thing, and and. Notre Dame, here's how I know it's real catastrophe, Jeff. Notre Dame is seriously considering leaving independence. Everything else was like, wow, that's going to be interesting. But when I heard that, I knew we had apocalypse, man. That, <laughs> that's when I knew the ground was shaking, the lava was popping up, and all of that. Um, now, granted, Notre Dame is going to set the market. That's the state, uh, statement I'll make. The reason why I mentioned the Apple TVs and the Amazons and the other um, how you say non-traditional TV video outlets is I think that may be the key to what happens where next involving either the, uh, the remaining Pac-12, the Big 12, and how that all works to whether they're going to ally or where the ACC comes into play. Personally, anybody who's listened to my show knows that the ACC uh, diminishing into the continued irrelevance that it keeps, seems to keep itself finding closer and closer to would be fun for me. But at the end of the day, they still have some brand names, FSU, Miami, Clemson, for example, that are going to, to be at least somewhat of a marketable product. I don't think they're going to go completely away, but look for alliances. You've already started to hear some of these Pac-12 schools getting courted by the Big 12, right? And, and notice this too, Jeff, as we're moving into... The, 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 the next model of things, what is driving new, uh, how you say, partnerships in this NCAA uh, realignment? In a lot of cases, it's big market cities, right? Think about, for example, with um, the Big 12's expansion, mentioning them as an air quotes follower, a smaller player, a smaller factor in, in the, uh, in the in, uh, college sports arena, right? UCF, based out of Orlando, pretty good uh, uh, market. Um, Houston, being one of the nation's biggest markets. And top five, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, both the two I mentioned in states that are among top football states in the nation. Then, you know, we, we look over to this recent move where the Big Ten acquires Los Angeles, maybe the biggest market in the nation, if not at least the West, and another big football recruiting state. It's all there's it's all surrounding that TV factor. See, you broke so much down in your opening question. I'm, I'm meandering on and on just because there was a lot to unpack there, too, man. But those are kind of the main factors that are on the table, right? The, the recent move you mentioned of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. And now what the Pac-12 is going to do next, what Notre Dame is going to do and what the Big Ten may do is are the biggest factors. And the reason why I don't list the Big Ten is currently they've claimed that they're not really moving on anything else except for probably trying to get Notre Dame. 
And the SEC is oddly quiet. And while there's rumors out there, there's really nothing ironclad at that point. So those are the biggest factors in my mind uh, uh, from an overall high level standpoint. So let's talk about the Big 12, because, you know, UCF getting to move into that conference for the timing could not have been better. Um, You know, the Big 12 could potentially be the third biggest conference, super conference, if you will, especially if they add the four teams from the Pac-12 that they are allegedly talking to. Uh, They've got a new commissioner who's, uh, you know, said to be pretty aggressive. And it could be, you know, the the word has it that he's offered those four schools and you got 30 days. Let us know if you're in or out. Um, And so that's got to make the Pac-12 very, very nervous. This could be a conference that could completely disappear. Uh, if they lose teams, uh, but you look at the big 12 and again, you know, UCF had strived to be in a power five conference for so long and boy, just when you thought it was, you know, going to be, you know, okay, good, we're finally here. All this erupts and they might get into a super conference if the, if, if the, if the big 12 is able to, to grow their, grow their portfolio. This is this is why I love talking to you, Jeff Allen, because that is such an optimistic take from somebody living in the city of Orlando or anybody that's following the UCF Knights in general. I'm so used to UCF fans or as they call them, hater fans, not true of all fans being like, oh, my gosh, doom and gloom. This happened. We'll never not listen. Oh, oh, time out. Time out. Let's pretend for just a minute that. UCF in particular gets knocked back out of what would be the quote power station. We can't say power five anymore. Can we? (laughs) Um, um, If they get knocked out of the power situation, what we do know is that UCF's money and compensation are greater than it has ever been historically period end of point. And with those resources under Terry Mohajer, who himself has shown he could be aggressive as an AD, They can continue to build in ways and exponentially make greater the program to make the next jump. We talk about UCF's been spending a long time. And I mean, time's a relative thing here, because when you look at time, as far as college football programs, like I think of UCF as Doogie Hauser at the table right now compared to some of these blue bloods that are out there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for, for those that don't know, that's a show that mommies and daddies used to watch that had a <laughs> year old being a doctor in, in a hospital. It was very fun. Neil Patrick Harris is great. Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, so UCF fans from a big picture standpoint, your worst case scenario was still being better uh, in a better situation fiscally and uh, I could argue product wise than you've ever been before. So there's that. And I think that holds true for the rest of the uh, Big 12 groups as well. I mean, Houston is definitely an up and coming program and getting more and more relevant. And they're getting recognized at a level that you should expect a Texas, a prominent Texas football program to get right. Cincinnati um, is a group that that had kind of fallen from grace and is now rising back up, you know, after that to get back into national prominence over and above uh, the recent appearance in the college football playoff um, or the invitational, as some people know it. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, B- BYU returning to prominence in the same way like they haven't in a long time. 
um, um, being able to do things with through the Big 12. So there's still plenty of opportunity there. And, and I love instead of looking at it as doom and gloom, you're not in one of the big two. Being in the third best conference in the nation, which I could argue the Big 12 was before all this moving and shaking, um, with, starting with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, um, uh, they're going to, at the very least, they're going to hold rank at third, but the ship that uh, the, the tide that rises all ships makes them more prominent as a conference overall. Very interesting power dynamic. Yeah, no, no question about that. And again, uh, yeah, you mentioned like, you know, Cincinnati, they've always been terrific in basketball and the football program has, has elevated. You know, Houston's got both football and basketball in, in prime position. So, you know, those are those are great things. And we know the Big 12 is already a tremendous basketball conference. And I mean, I mean, I mean, UCF is definitely stepping up in the big leagues on the hardwood uh, when they joined the Big 12. Uh, I do find this all very, very, uh, very, very fascinating. Again, I look at it from the optimistic standpoint, because like you said, you know, the money is going to be greater than before, you know, television contract. You know, there's talk of NBC and CBS getting involved. Uh, so, you know, CBS wants to replace, you know, having lost the SEC to ESPN. So they've got money to spend. And, you know, that, though, that money could go up even higher than the, than the current bounty they were expected to receive. Hey, so long as we fans are still dumb enough to pay all the rates, that's what's going to happen. You know, I'd hate to put it bluntly like that. And, and, and so how you say cynical for lack of a better word, but yeah, I mean, the markets continue to expand. There's more outlets through which to sample these games. And as live TV becomes more and more of a scarcity, the truth is when it comes to ratings overall, live TV, AKA mostly in the form of sport dominates what's going on. I mean, basically it's funny when you look at ratings, um, for sports, you, you have a lot of movement there, too. And it's my understanding that the only other thing that I can think of off the top of my head that go, that does those kind of numbers that isn't a sport is presidential debates. <laughs> and how often do those happen? You know, every, every four years, obviously, I, 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 I let me let me use my that UCF education and tell <laughs> I know that every four years. But, you know, uh, that that. That concept to me is is it's funny as much as everybody's cutting the cord and going with on demand, it's live sports and live events that continue to drive and keep other aspects of the broadcast uh, TV slash video industry. You have to say that now because of streaming, you know, yeah. uh, alive, not just alive, but growing in so many aspects as well. So, yeah, I mean, when they're talking billions with a b you know that, that's when you know obviously it's huge yeah and of course look at the you know you brought up the big 10 earlier you know but that would be the two biggest right is Rutgers not the biggest winner of all and 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 you think look at this is a this is a school that really contributes nothing to the conference they're okay in basketball here and there but, but you know they get to they get to gravy train off the rest of the big 10 and to me they're like the luckiest school on the planet my 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 good friend drew glukov puts it best when he says they've failed their way into success they failed their way up <laughs> and and hard as that may be find me a better way to describe it you know i i Rutgers is a winner. Let me mention another winner. I don't think enough people are drawing enough attention to here, though. Your Boise State 
And you were told, eh, you'll get in the Big 12 next uh, next round. We promise. And this happens with the Pac-12. And you got conferences in a flurry to expand. The chances of them ex- escaping the Mountain West. Very interesting. Yeah. And and they have they have a lot to offer, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, football and basketball. They're... And I'd be, I mean, I suppose I'd be remiss. It, uh, I'm, I keep forgetting if Utah is Mountain West still. I don't, I don't think they are. But if they are, they're another one you got to put on the table. Yeah. So with all this addition, do you ever see any subtraction happening? Because we talk about all these bottom feeders in the SEC who never have a chance of winning this conference. Do you think they would ever detract or subtract rather any, um, any teams in this, in this super conference scenario? Contraction to me is not going to happen until the market contracts in and of itself. And yeah, Utah is currently in the PAC 12, so that's not a, a threat, but I mean, let's stick with the point that Boise state's a winner there. They'll be good moving forward, but getting back to your question, I want to make sure I got that right. Um, contraction is only going to happen in two instances, and that's when either the market shrinks or the schools can't afford to really field a program, right? Um, I think what you'll get, the real losers here um, in this scenario, in my mind, like think about the American that just made the move to scoop up um, you know, Conference USA teams and, and, and those kinds of groups. It's going to be like the Conference USA's and the Sun Belts of the world that really suffer here um, because they're going to find themselves trying to grow and, and, and you know, keep alive. And, and, and those conferences are going to try to stay afloat. Meanwhile, their top, um, I'll include the American as well, because how pissed off is Mike Oresco that this happened as the commissioner of the American and he could have had a shot at some of these Pac-12 rejects to pull them in and and raise that value of their product if he had only known, right? So, you know, and not that he didn't, not that he brought in bad programs. Like, listen, I feel great about, you know, the Charlotte 49ers and what they've done to to raise themselves into prominence in a way that they haven't before. You know, I felt like they were going to be the next Coastal Carolina until, you know, but those it's going to be that that kind of division three division two you know teams that actually had a an, exp- an expanded playoff system in there for their football <laughs> uh, you know that that are really going to pay the price you're going to see your contraction in programs that aren't very prominent already um because you know i i'm curious too what this might do for you know um HBCU concepts as well, you know, with, with the SWAC and all and the MEAC and all that. I don't think they're going <coughs> to, excuse me, this might actually be an opportunity to raise their prominence um, as some of those others kind of fall off. If they continue to ride this wave of a rise in their popularity that came with uh, Deion Sanders becoming a coach within those, those ranks, that could be an opportunity then for to supplant some of these other ent- entities I've talked about. Granted, some of that is is kind of tinfoil hat conspiracy theory speculation, but that's where the majority of your movement is going to be if contraction is a thing. You're not going to see you're not going to see 
entire programs go away, which you're going to, when we talked about the super conference, I think the one bit of contraction you'll see upper level aren't schools per se, or the number of them participating at that level. It's going to be, there's no longer going to be a PAC 12. There's no longer going to be an ACC, that kind of thing. And frankly, Jeff, you'll admit this. The conferences have been rife for a renaming for some time now. The only conference whose name is really relevant and means anything is the SEC. Okay. The Pac-12 hasn't had, or excuse me, the Big Ten hasn't had 10 teams in it in a while. And the Big 12 hasn't had 12 teams in it in a while. And now they're definitely going to blow those numbers up. Can we rename these things? <laughs> yeah, you know, because you, you, you brought up a great point because the American would have been perfect to go after Pac-12 teams because they are the only conference that is not named regionally or have a numeral attached to them. <laughs> Product has been better than the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah. That, to be clear, and I know I bash on the ACC, but let's be honest, Jeff, ever since Trevor Lawrence left, they haven't looked as good. Clemson <laughs> was the one thing keeping them above water since FSU and Jameis Winston, in my mind. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that uh, whatsoever. So, yeah, this is a story definitely to be continued because uh, there's uh, still lots of lots of activity still to be uh, still to be had, and it could be it could be of great seismic, if that's the right word, earth shaking <laughs> type of activity that goes on. So we'll we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, Let's talk a little NBA uh, for the moment. So, you know, we, we had the draft. The Magic had the number one overall pick uh, for the for the first time in a long time. And they've had, you know, they've had very good luck in their history having the top pick. Hmm. You know, when you look at the Dwight Howard and Shaq uh, in, that, in that realm and, and eventually Penny Hardaway, you know, the Magic didn't have the first pick, but they did the swap. Um, so Paolo Bantreo. From Duke is the number one pick. A lot of people thought Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga was probably going to be the number one pick. Where do you think Magic fans stand on this? And what is your assessment of of their of their pick? Well, so and first of all, for the record, I wanted them to keep Chris Webber instead of Penny, but that's I, I digress. Whenever anybody brings that up, I feel like I have to say that. Anyways, no. Um, when it comes to this, uh, I'll put it this way. Um, what I saw, no matter the top, the, the main prospects for the Magic were all, oh, look, another forward that's, you know, a similar size. That's Mo Bamba, but could but set, tell it's Mo Bamba, but they tell me he can shoot better. That kind of thing. Um, now, granted, it's looking like um, that's not the case in the, the summer league, at least with which at Holmgren. But when it comes for the choice that the Magic did make, listen, at the end of the day, Here's all I'm looking for through all the scuttlebutt. I, I I get why fans didn't necessarily dig it, and 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 there's plenty. If you're fans, you probably wanted Chet Holmgren because he was the popular guy, and, and 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 I get all of the above. But at the end of the day, if the Magic's pick has raised their shooting their, their prowess as a shooting threat. Because that's what they haven't been in a long time, right? This is this was one of the last teams to give. Big money to Vucevic, right? Nikola Vucevic as a big man to give. I don't know the last time a, a man of that size got a max contract in the NBA. Okay. Like that's a thing that doesn't happen so much. If the magic can get more shooting to kind of continue the transition away from that, that's good. 
Jonathan Isaac, of course, and, and you know, when he and Markel Fultz will decide to, to be a real factor for this franchise consistently, because we both know when they're on the floor, it's great. They just, you can't help the tub in the club, Jeff. We know this. Oh, so, you know, that's really what I'm looking for from, from that, from, from, from any of the choices they could have made. Um, when it comes, um, but you know, with Paolo, I'm looking for him to be a shooting threat over and above the other stuff. Frankly, at this point, I think they need to move on from Mobamba. This experiment's lasted, what is it, five years now? It's time to consider the beaker exploded. Even Listen, Thomas Edison needed 99 tries. You're still on try number one with Mobamba. Okay, <laughs> move past that. You know, it, it, the light bulb's not going to work there. We need a different filament or something, right? So th- that's my main thing is if, if, this is a, if this is something that improves their shooting prowess, I'm for it. And of course, the bigger question is, you know, how far away are they, you know, from being relevant again? I mean, you, we, you know, they had, they've had terrible years. They finally got into the playoffs for a couple of seasons and then they blew it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're killing their fan base <laughs> in this process. Uh, you know, how close are they to getting back? Uh, or how far might be the better question. There's still a lot of distance um, when it comes to the magic. You know, the, the, the joke that, that that would exist, you know, with my, with my good friend and, and, and a former guest of yours, uh, Eric Lopez, would, would be, you know, I mentioned that I wouldn't be able to cover the magic this year because I'm, I'm covering, you know, UCF women's basketball as well. And he's like, don't worry, that's the better product right now. <laughs> you know? So, uh, um. With the magic, they're still obvious. I mean, to call them under construction is is really appropriate still. And and you're, you're, <laughs> there's there's a concept when it comes to forecasting and estimation that you give a range because the answer you give is is almost certainly going to be wrong because you're trying to predict something, right? <laughs> but I think at the very least, um, to be relevant, and I mean a playoff team that actually makes the playoffs with a winning record. So no, one of these things where you sneak in as the eighth seed and sacrificial lamb to Milwaukee is not what I'm talking about, right? It's it's going to be one of these, you know, where they're, where like they're a sixth seed and scary enough to upset whoever it is they're facing um, as the road team in the series, right? And I got to say they're at least a good what? I'm going to say two seasons best case scenario, but they're a good three to five still. And by then they're going to lose uh, any of their main weapons. But he- heck, at the end of the day, any of their main weapons either isn't on the court or doesn't exist yet. So uh, uh, you're, you're asking me, you're asking me how tall the house is going to be built when they haven't filled, uh, fi- finished the foundation yet. So I'm a little wishy-washy. <laughs> Well, you're better than me because I would have said one to 10 years away. <laughs> um uh, you know, what kind of baffles me with them, though, is mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in, 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 in whatever reason, it's not an attractive market, but why they don't go heavy and try to get a star free agent. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest problem with that is, um, you know, to, for, for one, the, the, the trade limitations in the NBA of having to match contracts is obviously a big part of that. I mean, let, let's, let's start with the obvious there, right? Um, I, I, 
it, I don't think it is so much that they haven't tried is like, why would you come to Orlando when yet when another three to five hour drive away is Miami? And I could play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo right now. There's a reason why they're talking about Durant and Donovan Mitchell to the Miami Heat and not the Magic, because there are pieces there already. You know, to, to your point about, you know, 10 years, hey, maybe it'll take that long because that's how long it takes the Magic to actually get a bona fide star that actually stays on the floor for an extended pe- period of time. I mean, that's definitely a thing. So why don't they? I feel like they've tried to get a star. I just don't know that they have enough uh, ammunition, for lack of a better word, resources, if you want to use the more proper word, to to achieve that. I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. So let's switch to the NFL and uh, interesting week as uh, Baker Mayfield was dealt from the Browns to the Panthers. Of course, uh, the Browns signed Deshaun Watson. So Baker's uh, days were definitely over as far as that is concerned. And, you know, one of the one of your previous appearances, we talked about, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. It's very interesting nowadays because, you know, there's only a handful of teams that have their guy, their franchise guy for, you know, the next several years, everybody else is just like, you know, they're trading dominoes out here. You know, you, you, you know, Matt Ryan's moved on to a different team. Carson Wentz is on another team, you know, there's almost like they're just interchange. Well, maybe, maybe we'll plug this guy in and he'll work for us. It's, it's very interesting situation. And I think this is kind of the same thing with the Panthers too. You know, they got Sam Darnold uh, from the jets in, you know, I think Baker Mayfield's going to win that job. And I will say this, Baker Mayfield, I have always thought, is highly overrated. I will give him credit, though, because he is tough and he has grit. I will give him props for that all day long. I just don't think he's a great quarterback. That's, you may just, you know, uh, but here we are, another, pl- okay, let's plug this guy in here now and see. And, you know, what do you make of all this mess? <laughs> <laughs> so and, and and here's 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 why even a talented man as yourself, Jeff, who who knows what he's doing, knows sport and can speak to sport pretty well. The only problem is you're applying logic to a situation that is <laughs> emotion so much when it comes to Baker Mayfield. And, and to put it nicely, that's been his biggest problem. Right. Like, I mean, Baker was still in college. Um, when my dad was still alive and he appreciated the swag and the crotch chop in a way that a guy his age really wouldn't have ever expected it. I, I never expected that he would be pro Baker. Uh, I mean, then, then again, he did support Cam, but having swagger and passion is one thing when you're outright drama is where it was a bridge too far for me. And Oh, by the way, we've had the long conversation about big 12 quarterbacks being overhyped, being a thing. And for me personally, I've been doing it since Geno Smith. Okay. But, but for my money, yeah, I'm with you that, that Baker um, was plucked a little too high in my mind, but I also understood why the Browns did it. Um, Anybody also noticed that the biggest issue the Browns seemed to have during a particular point last year was Baker Mayfield himself. Now in his defense, he had an excellent game on the road against the Ravens. Granted, at that point, they were a mash unit, mash unit in a very 
dilapidated version of what you've expected going into training camp last year. And the reason why I have to start going into training camp is that's when the injuries started happening for the Ravens last year. Okay. Um, but his stretch of game involved playing two of the worst teams in the league, potentially in the Jags and, um, and the Lions, I believe it was. And then one of the games was against the Ravens on the road in dilapidated state. He had Joe Montana-esque numbers in that stretch of four games. I think it was like 70% completions, 10 touchdowns for one interception. It's not that Baker is incapable of doing well. It's just everything has to be in place. Think a Brad Johnson, a Joe Flacco, a Trent Dilfer type. Okay. Um, the whole thing, yeah, what was, what was it? They had uh, Case Keenum as a backup, I believe it was. The numbers offensively didn't drop off that much. When it, compared to Baker, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm. If I'm the Browns, I'm assuming that Watson's out for the year. There's just too much smoke on that fire. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there'll be more that comes out. Maybe there won't. But right now, reading the tea leaves is we're supposed to do at the moment because you know proceedings and things are still happening. If I'm the Browns, I'm planning for him to be gone for the year. Jacoby Brissett, while not ideal. With that roster, I think, can make some noise. You want to know what the Browns' biggest problem is? The division. And that's where Baker actually wins this trade. Before Baker came in, the NFC South is a pretty pitiful quarterback division. But Kyle, they have Tom Brady. Yeah, I get it. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. But if you put Tom Brady out in the AFC West, are you calling him the top quarterback? I'm not. Right? So, you know, a 45-year-old quarterback-ish is your top performer. That should tell you everything you need to know about the NFC South. Now, Baker <laughs> comes in, Jeff. Tell me how he's not currently the second-best quarterback if he wins the job in Carolina, because I can't figure out, wait, is it Jameis? You're going to expect no. me to pick Marcus Mariota as a retread ahead of Baker Mayfield? I'm not that cynical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it does... Uh, it does intrigued me quite a bit because you know you know carolina moving on from cam newton you know sam you know they tried to convince people sam darnold was going to be the answer right and you know a guy who saw ghosts in new york so you know it it, it, it I'm, I'm just so amazed that it disappointed really because quarterback level of play in the national football league across the board outside of the few franchise guys is kind of disappointing when you look at it as a whole, you know, but I think that's a self-inflicted wound, Jeff. I I can't put that on these players per se, because I mean, first of all, we'll start here. You've probably heard me mention this theory. I may have done it on your show. And if it's a repeat, sorry, folks, if you recognize it, just nod your head. Yes. And admit that I'm still right. The top quarterbacks in the league, the top five and no Tom Brady is not currently a top five in the league. I'm sorry. Um, the top five quarterbacks in the league right now all have one thing in common where this time five or 10 years ago, it wasn't the case. And that's all of them are fantastic running the football. That is a requirement now. So because that is the case, Jeff, they have to be able to do everything. They have to be able to read the defenses. They have to be uh, lead the teams. They have to be able to run when that calls for it. And they have to do it in such a fashion where they slide just right so they don't get hurt and end up being the next version of RG3. They have to be able to throw the ball pinpoint accuracy so they don't become the, I don't know, the next Matt Schaub 
or whoever, any of that, you know, and then, oh, by the way, win the press conference. Like the NFL quarterback this day and age is asked to do too much. And then you got these rookies coming out of college who are, heck, at this point, my birthday coming up in August could be a good 20 years younger than I am. Don't do the math. It's embarrassing how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or it may, maybe, maybe it's impressive that I look this good at that age. Anyway, <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, the and this point has been made, but I think it's now kind of accented itself more than we could have imagined. The days of the people, 2012 was amazing because you had RG3, Russell Wilson, and Andrew Luck all hit the scene and be wildly successful for playoff teams all at the same time unbelievable there may have been another year like that since then i'm not remembering but that's way too much to expect the days of grooming a quarterback and easing him into the position are gone which i think is a big part of the problem as a whole and again because the nfl built itself as a store a star quarterback driven league the quarterback is the star that's their that's their number one piece of product that, that they put out there, and of course you know the NFL, you know they are so big and powerful now they can try to screw it up and they won't screw it up. It seems like to me, uh, but when I look at the quarterback play, it's just like oh my god, how has it gotten this bad? <laughs> well, and, and be mindful. Uh, I'll see that and raise you this and, and listen, you, you, you see my Aaron Evans original painting of me and uh, my offensive lineman days behind me in the call here to kind of reveal my bias. But I think a lot of that is more directly connect. The reason why you see so much bad quarterback play, Jeff, is because O-line play on a much greater scale has reduced and while I'm in favor of lighter practices and two a days uh, being banned and all this other stuff, it has created an offensive line um, bar that is lower skill wise than it has ever been previously because they there there was more hitting and there was more time to perfect your craft in the heat of battle, so to speak. And yes, by the way, I said offensive linemen and skill. The term skill position offends me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, and I'm right there with you. The the the, guy, the guys in the trenches, you know, or you know, they if if you're not good there, you're not going to be good anywhere else. I bet you say that to all the fat guys that come on. <laughs> Darn it, you found me out. How did you do that? <laughs> and of course, you know, uh, we mentioned you know Deshaun Watson. The Browns make the move to, to get him amidst his huge problems. Uh, you know, knowing he's not going to see the field immediately, you know, the Browns continue to make desperate move after desperate move. And this might be the biggest desperation move they've made. You know, what is, what is it? They, they have the, uh, the, the one person who made a quarterback Jersey that has all the names of the 20 something quarterbacks since like Bernie Kosar, I think. <laughs> I would hire that Taylor. That's talent. Dang. <laughs> I need a custom tie. I need to call that person. Um, Yeah, man, listen, uh, but I get the Browns have being in a place where they have to fight desperately. Like, let's have a conversation about how tough the AFC North is 
anyway. Okay. The Steelers and Ravens are premier franchises, and it's not too often that you have two premier franchises in the same division within professional sport. Like the next best example might be Yankees uh, and and Red Sox, but I, I struggle just off the top of my head to come up with another space. I mean, at one point in the 90s, well, no, that no, actually, the Knicks, the Knicks are in the Atlantic and, and Chicago's in the central back then. So, no, that's not a thing either. Never mind. I got no clue. <laughs> uh, it, you may be having to talk like the Sixers and, and, and somebody, you know, going back to early Charles Barkley days, maybe. Sixers I, I and Celtics. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that's. Maybe something with the Pistons. I don't know. I, I need to not cling to that. you got a show to do. The punchline is those two in that division is already bad enough. And through no fault of their own or Paul, Paul Browns, who's notorious for not wanting to play pay stars properly, the Bengals have come to rise, fall, and then rise again thanks to Joe Burrow. And by the way, anybody who calls him Joe Cool, no, please look up Joe Montana. That's his actual name. But, <laughs> um, yeah, man, listen, Joey Burr. Is is amazing and a phenomenon. I am fortunate enough to have 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 interviewed him at the Fiesta Bowl when UCF was there before it was cool, and uh, and um, you know seeing that this this personality in place and part of why he has risen despite getting crushed in the backfield again more poor, poor offensive line play uh, at play uh, there too, and now the Browns are left in this arms race. And they keep getting snake eyes and snake bitten constantly. And you can blame Hugh Jackson all you want for Deshaun Wynn in that whole situation. You're still struggling anyway. The whole reason Baker Mayfield even got on the field as rookie year is because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. You know, that roster has been amazing um, the past couple of seasons. But at the end of the day, it's been the quarterback position that's been the problem. And so, of course, they got desperate. Sean Watson's a great quarterback, but little did they know how well the cover-up was taking place in Houston. Yeah. And, of course, I think you could also say about the Browns, they have an ownership problem oh. as, 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 as well. So, uh, yeah, it'll definitely bear uh, watching. Uh, as you said, Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he's the kind of guy who can make you competitive. He's not – I don't think he's your your 17-game Savior, I think he's a guy that could win you three or four weeks when you when you need it, uh, keep you afloat. But uh, you know, as far as a season long quarterback, I, I don't know. Uh, I think he's a good bridge quarterback. Like I said, with this roster being what it is, I feel like that that's that that's a thing. And I'll put it this way: this roster was good enough to that one point Adele Beckham Jr. was considering coming back. Yeah. <laughs> concept of Baker Mayfield's departure. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but the fact he was considering it at all should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, and at least, uh, at least uh, Jacoby's got good guys to hand the ball off to as well, so they're, they're, he's got that going for him. So, Kyle, as always, man, enjoy the visit. Uh, uh, you bring great uh, great energy, great insight to the to the show, as always. So, uh, time now for your shameless plugs, because uh, if anybody's got a lot of endeavors, you're the guy. <laughs> Man, listen, when you put it that way, you reminded me I got to try to explain and negotiate around my wife to get all this stuff in. But anyway, <laughs> of course, Jeff, thanks for having me on. Honor, joy, and privilege, as always. Hey, we got to get you in the Student of the Game podcast sometime here soon. Next week, this coming Tuesday, um, as as uh, the 12th, we'll begin our 
barrage of NFL previews. So check out the student of the student of the game podcast. Of course, you could find that on Facebook Live, the student of the game and other places too. anchor uh, Twitch. And of course, on Huddle Up Podcast YouTube channel as well. Of course, you can find that on Spotify, Overcast, and other podcasting sites and all that of that too. So you have that as well. And hey, when Jeff comes on, I'm sure he'll let you know more precisely where to find that as well too. We'll remind you then. But please come in and check out the NFL previews for that. Then as well, of course, I am with the black and gold banneret.com. You can actually, I'm about to jump off this and do a black and gold banneret podcast about more college realignment stuff. So that should be an interesting there. Look out, look out for my work with them as well. And then, of course, the Huddle Up podcast I mentioned earlier. They'll kick back into swing closer to late August, but we do have some off-season content there. So look for the Huddle Up podcast in all of your podcast outlets needs there too. And then, of course, my outlet uh, uh, for non-sports things. You're aware of my work as well with Captain Company Morning Show on OldSchool101.com. And of course, with my friend Demosthenes Euclid, I have the Hilarity by Default show where we check out required viewing and, and see what movies that are at least 20 years old because, Jeff, if it's not at least 20 years old, it's not a classic, <laughs> are definitely, in fact, required viewing Honor, joy, and privilege to have uh, to be aboard. Thanks for having me in, Jeff. But until next time, buddy. Clap. Yeah, and and of course uh, we could also add in there a devoted husband and f- and father. Yeah, my kids still like me, and so does my wife. So I got that going for me. <laughs> there you go, Kyle. Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care, bud. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.